Howdy. Merry Christmas. Happy uh, first day of Advent. Anyone here do the, the wreath at home around dinner? Thank you. Megan, we're bringing that back. Um, open your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 3. If, if you don't have one, um, and not that if you didn't bring it or it's not in your car or at home, but if, if you legitimately don't have one, I, I got a lot. I would love to give you one. So find me or, or Pastor Andy or Pastor Paul after church, and, and we, got, we got Bibles for you. Um, this sermon's going to be a bit shorter, and uh, I see some smiles, and, uh, and, and not shorter, like 15 minutes into it, don't be looking at your clock, but like 25, 30, uh, we'll, we'll just see where the Spirit leads, because today we're going we're gonna to take Peter's words here, which are a little bit shorter, and we're going to take them uh, into a time of worship out loud and singing together. Uh, not that this isn't worship, but, but there's something powerful when together we as a body really uh, show the Lord our, our love and our affection for him, and that takes a little while sometimes. We, can, we can't just uh, flip that switch, um, and so... Because that's true, we're going we're gonna to have a little extended time together. Uh, let's pray and, and see what the Spirit might do for us this morning. Uh, Lord, uh, as always, it's, it's beautiful to be here um, as, as your people. We thank you that you are our Father. I thank you that you've given us Christ, that we, we've found freedom in Christ, that we obey because we love. Lord, that's what we're looking at today. We're looking at the relationship between love and obedience and how we today um, are obedient because your son, Jesus Christ, was obedient to you and, and you've given us freedom through that. So, so, Lord, I ask that you would stir in our hearts this morning uh, the real um, desire to want to worship you more, the desire to want to be involved, the desire to want to be connected, to be a part of this body, that, that this body is more than just this right here, but that we leave here and that we're connected, that we're loving on each other far more than just uh, here on Sunday mornings. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Um, so First Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. 8 through 12. I'm going to read it all the way through and then we'll, we'll get going. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you are called, that you may obtain a blessing. Verse 10, for whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So the reason that we're going to slow down today um, is really two parts. The first one uh, is this, that, that when we get into a book like this, when we go through it methodically, when we're week after week going through, we can kind of lose the big picture sometimes. Right, because this is week eight. We've been go, we've done seven weeks. This is the eighth week in First Peter, and we're in chapter three. But but we can lose what's what's happening on a big scale. So what I want to try to do is I want to try to paint that picture of what Peter's been saying and how it brings us to this point where we see the word finally. It's there for a reason. And the second thing I want to do, and really where we're going to spend the majority of our time is really trying to understand the realities behind these verses. Because the fact of the matter is, you can, you can reach 
uh, a verse like 8 and 9, and you can see a bunch of imperatives. Okay, we need to be like this. You need to do this. And we can kind of cr- treat that like a checklist. Like, okay, done, 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 without really realizing the truth that lies behind those that that's really hard to do. Like, it's really hard to follow what Peter's asked us to do here. And then we're really going to dive into the, the truth that um, following these things comes from a love for Christ, not, not the other way around. We don't do this list so that we can love Christ. We find first that we love Christ, and because we love him, then we follow him, and we follow his commandments. Right? We, we know that we've been talking a lot about obedience the last couple weeks. And I, I've said it again and again, that, that obedience leads to freedom. But what I haven't said much of is, is where does that desire to obey come from? If it comes from the wrong place, we're going to be frustrated. In the end, we're going to probably quit. So today we're really going to look at what it means to be obedient and why we need to be obedient. And I'll tell you right now, here's the answer to the test. You've got to love Jesus. Like if, if you don't love him, your obedience really is going nowhere. So I just said everything I'm going to say, and now I'll say it in a hopefully more poetic, beautiful way. So here we go. We get to the first word, finally. All right, finally in verse 8. And as, as any time you get to the word finally, you've you got to ask yourself the question, well, why is that there? What, what are we talking about? And, and there's really kind of two pictures that are being painted, big picture, small picture. We're going to look at the small picture first, which in reality will turn out to be the big picture later. So going back to chapter 2, starting in verse 3, I, I want you to turn there, and uh, we'll, we'll see if we can't figure out why the word finally is written there. So chapter 2, verse 3. This is Peter. If, if you've tasted that the Lord is good, then you're going to long for pure spiritual milk in order that you may grow. So in 2011 words, if you understand the cross, you're going to do whatever you can to draw yourself closer to Jesus and you're going to do everything you can to separate yourself away from things that will draw you away from him. Right? And then verse 4 assumes that we're doing a few things. It assumes that we're doing that, that we are drawing ourselves closer to God in any way that we know how. And we're, we're going to get into how we do that later. But as we do that, verse 9 says that there's a reason that God is bringing us together to be a family. In verse 9, we see the reason is that we may proclaim His excellencies of Him who called us out of darkness and into His marvelous light. Right? We've sung the song, and it's a fun song, but that's what we are doing. That's why we are a family, so that we may together proclaim Him. That's what we are about here. So that's why we draw ourselves closer to Him. Remember at the end, we all stood up, we all held hands, one happy big family, right? No, one big dysfunctional family, but we all love the Lord, and there's a lot of grace here. And we're going to get into grace today, trust me, because we all need it. Every single one of us, thank God for grace That's what we're about here. Um, Following this big charge of what it means to be a family, we get into verses 11 and 12 of chapter 2, which really, I I didn't say this much, but kind of draw us out through the rest of chapter 2 and into chapter 3. So let's see 11 and 12 and see if we can't find the connection that leads us into where we're at today. So chapter 2, verse 11 says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passion of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Um, run from sin. 12. Keep your conduct among Gentiles honorable. Here's the big point. So that when they speak against you as evildoers, here we go, they may see your good deeds and 
and glorify God on the day of visitation. Right. So so stop sinning. Obey Christ because people are watching your life. Right. People are watching this. Remember, Peter's writing to the church, a bunch of small, different uh, groups at this point. But people see what's going on there. And, and because people see that, Peter knows if they see that you're following Christ, they're going to want in on it. So because of that, we need to obey. And that's why he from there goes into what it's like to be under authority. He starts with civil authority. He moves to servants. He goes to wives. He goes to husbands. And, and he's saying to all of them, you need to behave like this for the reason that people will see that and come to know the Lord. And so today, when he's saying, finally, all of us, this is all together. When people see this, and it's far beyond this, when people see this, our hope is that they will come to know the Lord. That's what we're doing. So that's why in verse 3, 8, which where we're at today, we see the word finally. He, he's bringing it all back together. Like the, the world still needs to see something in us that will bring us, that will bring them to him. So he says, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, a humble mind, and do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. So we get six commands here. Really, the, the first five should be kind of intrinsic with inside of us. And, and the last one is more of, of a behavioral command. Um, so what we're going to do is I'm not going to take a ton of time to go through the five. We're, we're going to hit them. I'm not going to sit much on, on any particular one. But we're going to get to that last one and we're going to see the reason behind why we do all of them, really. And how there's a trap here. The trap is if you try to follow them all without loving Jesus, you're done for. You're not going to be able to do it. And it's not designed that way. So it's got to start with Jesus and from there move to obedience. And that's how we can do one through six here. So let's just kind of go through the five commands that really should be intrinsic within us as a body. Um, he, he's assuming this. So here we go. The, the first one, have unity of mind. Right? This means that we together uh, are on the same page. Right? We're, we're on the same ship. Like we're going in the same direction. Now, now granted, we're all different. Right? We, we're all different. But we should have the same driving principles. We should have the same objectives as a body here together. Right. And, and like I said, they're all different. We all have different ways that we do these things. So so when we say, OK, we are a church who loves people, that's going to look differently for each person. We love people differently. So some people get all keyed up and they say, OK, I'm going to love people by by helping out at Love, Inc. And, and that's great. And other people say, well, I'm going to love people by helping with the homeless shelter. And that's great. But but where I see division is when people shake their fists and say, well, why aren't you loving people by helping out the way I help people? Right, we can't do that. We need to have the same objectives, the same goals, but realize that we're different and, and we're doing the same things, but we do it differently. But we are all on the same page. We're all in the same game together. The second thing he says is have sympathy or be sympathetic. And I'm going to get to this, but the key behind being sympathetic is we got to know each other. Right. If if you're supposed to feel someone's pain, if you're supposed to to, to feel um, the, the trials and tribulations that people are going through, you got to know what they're going through. Right. And we'll get to this, but you don't get to know each other sitting here Sunday morning. Right. It goes far beyond what just happens right here. 
But it's very important that we be a people of great sympathy. And then he says, number three, brotherly love. And this can literally be translated, love one another like a brother. All right? So I don't, I don't know about you guys. I didn't grow up with a brother, but, but I had a best friend since third grade, and he is my brother. Right? And we spent a lot of time together, all through elementary school, all through junior high, all through high school. In college, my wife went to the same college that he did. So, so we were together a lot. Right? Like we had this sweet system where after school, my family ate at 4.30. And so we'd go there. And then his family ate at 7. So we'd go there after. And, and it was great. It was great. So, so anyone who has a brother, what, what happens when, when you hang out a lot with the same person? Like you, you start getting kind of on each other's nerves, yeah? Right? Am, am I alone here? No. You, you start getting on each other's nerves, and as a brother, like, that, that comes out, right? And, and usually it's kind of this, this initial friendly, okay, let, let's wrestle a little bit and, and see what happens. And then someone gets kind of popped in the nose, and, and then it's on, right? And then it's, it's full-on fighting, right? And then, you know, I mean, this happened all the way through junior high and probably into later high school. Like, like we had the boxing gloves, which were really fun. And we actually had the headgear. But, but again, you get, you get hit hard once and, and it's on. Right? And, and yeah, we, we don't really do that much anymore. Like, I, uh, because he might watch this, I know I could still take him, but he's like, he's been, he's in the military and he's been through like survival school. So he'll probably gorge my eyes. I don't know, but I, I don't, I don't go there. But the point is, the point is, when you're done, it's over, right? You're done. You make up and, and you get through it because he's your brother. Now, I don't necessarily recommend that that's how we handle church discipline here. Although I think it might be fun, <laughs> unless you've got to fight Gary or someone like huge, tall. I, like, no, it's, it, that's not how we do it. But the fact of the matter is, we need to, in an honoring way, Deal with our problems with one another, right? Because here's, here's the problem. What can we do? Oh, I don't like that person. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to leave and find another family. Right? That happens a lot. And you can't do that with a brother. Because he is your brother. So when Peter says love with a brotherly love, this is a family. Like, you, you can't get out. We are all in. I, I wish that we would, we would taste that. I, I wish that we would feel the weight of what it means to really love each other like a brother and then a tender heart right be compassionate this runs deep right this means that that you're helping people who are in need that you're quick to give that we are kind that that this is our family we love one another we're going to sacrifice for our family because we're family right and then a humble mind the fifth thing that that we are slow to get angry and that we are quick to forgive and there is lots of room for grace right we want to be a humble people and this list is for everyone it's especially for pastors like i don't i don't know if you realize this but it's really humbling for me to get up here like it takes a lot of humility because here's here's the truth of the matter many of you are far more intelligent than i am like i'm not fooled Many of you have lived way more life than I have and have much more life experience and you're still willing to say, okay, what's God going to do through his word for us this week? Right? I, I know that I am a flawed teacher. Right? There's one perfect teacher, by the way. It's not Andy, it's Jesus. Right? We got, we got one. 
So every single week that I've been up here and I've taught, and this is not an exaggeration, I'm getting at least one email, at least one person coming in my office saying, did you really say this? And I'm thinking, no way I didn't say that. Well, actually, if you go back to the tape and look at minute 23, you did say that. And, and yeah, I, I did. I, I'm not perfect, right? So, so just in future reference, if I ever say something that's blatantly wrong, like disregard it, that was a mistake, right? So... <laughs> And not everything, but big things. So, so here, here's the deal. We know that sanctification is a dirt path, right? It, it ain't no super highway. And if you think that you've already arrived, let me tell you something. You've missed the train, right? Like not only, you're not chasing after it down the road saying, wait, wait, wait. Like you're on the platform, it's come and gone, and you didn't know it was here. This is a process. It's a slow, long process. And I have a fear here that says many of us in the church aren't pursuing Christ like we pursue things that really in the end are going to be in a landfill in Nevada in 20 years from now. So this is why at 1044, right, there were like seven people in here. If we were to sell 42-inch TVs for 200 bucks, we'd be having people line up at 3 a.m., And not only that, but when those doors open, you'd be getting pepper sprayed by the person behind you so that they could get the better deal. Man, if we were only selling TVs, we only have eternal life and we're not even selling it. We're giving it away. Right. There's got to be we got to get this right. We got to get this straight. It's it's a path. We got to keep pursuing him. I, I fear that many of us feel like we have arrived you haven't arrived yet. Right? This is why I look back on my life just a couple years ago. I'm like, man, I was a fool back then. And I have this fear. I really do that I'm going to keep moving forward and keep looking back saying, man, what was I thinking back then? Right? But that should be all of us. If you've gotten to the point where you're thinking, man, I got it right. I'm finally doing it. You've missed the train. You're, you're sitting on the platform. It's come and it's gone. We've got to know that, that our pursuit is of him, and that's a perpetual, continual pursuit, and we are all on the path together. We need more of Christ, and you've got to be humble knowing that. So, so these five traits, the, these initial five, um, really are what the church needs to be all about. And um, as I'm going to get into in a second, it doesn't happen here. Like It, it doesn't happen Sunday morning. Right. So as as for me, um, being the adult ministries pastor, I I got a big challenge here and I and I feel the weight here of of my job is to make sure that these things happen not here. They, They happen out there. Right. And here's here's the truth. We do a lot of things well here at the church. Right. But but our church needs a lot of grace and we can always be doing better. Right? We can always be doing better. And so my plea is that our church is not a church of people who just attend. Right? But that we are a church of people who belong. Because if you just show up Sunday morning, how are you supposed to do those five things? Right? How are you supposed to be tenderhearted? How are you supposed to be sympathetic with one another? Right? If, if your extent of tenderheartedness is, is passing someone a connection card... Right. And your idea of unity of mind is we stand up and we sit down at the same time. Wow. We are a unified body. You're missing the point. Right. That's not what it's about. It's about far more than just that. So we want to be a church who addresses these issues 
And, and I'll be straight, the, the way that it's set up here is, is we address them through mostly interaction groups. Like a lot, of, a lot of them meet on Sunday mornings. You go and if they're fully functioning, you got small groups at them, you got discipleship happening, you got accountability happening. But there's got to be more than just this. And Peter says that you, you can't fulfill all these things. You can't have unity of mind, sympathetic, brotherly love, tender heart, if this is it. You got to get connected. So that's my plea, my plea. As you're looking into the new year, like as, as you um, look at your calendar and you say, okay, what am I going to do this year? What's going to be different? My plea for you would be don't just attend, belong. Be a part of this family. You, you got to be. Or else you will be unknown and you're missing the train. He still builds in verse 9. This We're going to spend a little time. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. Okay, and then getting into verse 10, we see the word for. So 10 through 12 are all kind of predicated on verse 9, which really is where we're going to spend the majority of our time because understanding 9 gives us weight to why he's going to quote David in Psalm 34 in verses 10 through 12. So, so I'm going to be straight with you. Unpacking 9 is going to be a bit tedious. Okay, and, and I give a lot of freebies. I give a lot of free answers, but I'm going to show you how this one works out. So, so maybe only 10% of you will be with me here, but, but track with me. Because for everyone, understanding where 9 comes from, understanding what Peter's saying, will really influence the way that we respond to this word. Because this is where we find our love for Christ. It's in there, we just got to dig for it. And sometimes it's not 6 inches deep, it's 12 inches. So hold with me. So verse 9, it's a continuation of these five commands. All right, so we get into the six. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless for to this you are called that you may obtain a blessing. So big idea, simple idea, bless those who insult you. All right, so if that's all you get, that's fine, but, but don't check out. So, so we're getting a little deeper because the next thing it says is for to this you were called. So my question is, well, what is this that you're called to? Because if you have an ESV or an NASB, it reads a bit differently here. And to be honest, in the Greek, you can kind of go both ways with it. So we got to understand, well, what are we called to do? What is the this that he's talking about? See, if you have an NASB, the English translation says this, For you were called for this very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. Keep tracking. ESV says, Bless, comma, for to this you were called, comma, that you may obtain a blessing. So is Peter saying that we bless in order or so that we may obtain a blessing? Uh, like if you're, if, if you're tracking with this, that's, that's a contingent statement. Is that really what Peter is saying? Is this really a contingent idea? Because if you read it in the ESV, which I read from, it really looks like it is contingent. It looks like our blessing is predicated upon whether or not we're going to bless other people. But I, I don't think that's what Peter's really saying. And to answer that, we've got to look at the word obtain, which actually ESV doesn't do a good a job as NASV, which is the word inherit. Right, so the idea behind this word inherit is that we are, getting, uh, we are receiving a free gift, unmerited. Completely. That's the idea of an inheritance. So what Peter is saying is that the reason that you and I 
bless other people is because we have been recipients of an inheritance. Well, that raises another question. Well, what's this inheritance that he's talking about? All right, so for that answer, we've got to go back a couple pages. So chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed, I'll, I'll wait. I was talking to my grandma on the phone the other day, and she said, uh, just one thing, could you give a little more time when you say turn here? Um, I'm giving you time. So 1-3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again through a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So let's put two and two together. The reason that we bless when we are insulted is because we have been recipients of an inheritance that says, you got it by grace. That we got it by an act of mercy. Right? Because every time that we do something wrong, we are accruing a debt. Right? So, so every time uh, you, you realize, I, I didn't honor my wife. I didn't love my husband. I, I sped on the way to church here to get here on time. Every time we broke any of God's commands, he's writing it down. Like, I know we love he's separated from the east from the west, but, but for, for now it's there. Right? And the Bible says it's appointed once for man to live and then to judgment. And so we get there and God says, okay, it's time to pay now. It's time to pay. And we have this such this wacky idea that if our good outweighs our bad, we're okay. But, but the fact of the matter is, our good has nothing to do with the debt that we owe. We owe a debt. And it's in understanding how we were cleared of that debt that we're led to love that leads us to obedience. So it's in understanding that we have that debt, but we can't pay it. None of us are good enough. But Jesus, in that moment when God says, how are you going to pay? He says, debt's been paid. I did it for you. So as a result of this, we say, I love you, Jesus. I understand now that when people are speaking evil against me, I have been a recipient of your mercy, and I will then in turn bestow mercy on other people. Uh, does, it, does this make sense? That, that we understand that, that our judgment was taken care of as an act of mercy. And that mercy was in Christ. So that leads us then to obedience. This is what the gospel is, right? Jesus paid what we could not pay. We deserved, we deserved wrath, but rather we got mercy. See, mercy and grace change everything. The cross changes everything here. We have no room to repay evil for evil because we have received nothing but grace and mercy because we deserve evil, but we don't get any of it because of the cross. And from here, this is why obedience comes from love, not the other way around. Right, so, so if you're going through this list, if we're going through, okay, I gotta be obedient, I gotta, I gotta honor, I gotta love, I gotta submit, I got to be brotherly, I gotta have a tender heart. If you're trying to do all those things and you find yourself frustrated because you keep failing, your problem is not that you keep failing doing those things. That's, that's not the problem. Our problem is a love problem. Our problem isn't that, oh gee, I can't do this, I can't do this. It's, no, I, 
I fail to love the God who gave me mercy. It's got to start there. It all has to start with a love for and an affection for Christ. And everything will come from then. But it's got to start there. Don't get that backwards. You can lead yourself to a lot of spiritual, religious exhaustion if all you're doing is putting your time and your effort and energy into making sure you get that list right. You, you never will. You'll never get those things right if, you, if they don't start with a love for the Savior, which changes everything. So our question is, what are we doing as a family to stir in us a love for Christ? Because you can't do it on your own. You can't just say, I want to love Jesus more. Right? I'm going to pound out my, my six chapters in the Bible every day and I'll love Jesus more. No, you, you need something called the Holy Spirit in you. Right? So our plea is, Lord, stir in me something through your Spirit that will draw me closer to you, that I may love you more, that I may be obedient, that I may find freedom. Through all of that, it's got to start with that love for Christ. And that love for Christ is only initiated by the Holy Spirit. So my question is, are we asking? Right? We've got the only Father that says, if I don't give it to you, keep asking, keep begging. I, I want you to keep going. Are we asking? Are, are we surrounding ourselves by things that we know will stir our affections for Him? Like, like you know what it's like to, to draw close to the Lord if you've tasted that. And you know what is in your life that will bring you away from that. So are you avoiding those things? And are you bringing in things into your life that will draw you closer to Him? That's what we're about. That's what this is about. Right? And this is why Peter quotes David in Psalms. Because what we don't see in verses 10 through 12, I'm going to read in 34, which says this. Verses 8 through 12, verses 8 through 11 in Psalm 34. You don't have to turn there. But David's basically saying, I love you, Lord. I've been drawn so close to you that I want to show other people how to do that. So what we see is the response to that. So let's see what David says. He says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The lion or the young lion suffers want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord do not lack any good thing. Come, O oh children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. He says, if you've tasted that it is good, come, I'll teach you how to get more of it. And then in, in summarizing 10 through 12 of chapter 3, he says this, if you love the Lord, if you've tasted that, it's got to start there. The response is going to be, you're going to keep your tongue from evil and your lips from deceit and you will seek peace and pursue it. But it all starts with that love for Jesus. That's what we're about. That's what this season is all about. Advent, right? That's what we celebrate, the coming of Jesus. So it starts there. So if you're missing that, you're missing everything. You're missing it all. Don't spend all of your time and effort and energy into fixing yourself. You can't. That's the gospel, right? No, you can't fix yourself. You're broken. You need a Savior, and we have one. We have one. So, so as we get into this time here of extended worship, my question and my plea is going to be, what are you doing to draw yourself closer to Him? Right? We know that we can't light that fire 
We, we know that we can't, but we can add things to it that when he ignites it, it's going to go big. And that's what we want. That's what we want here. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your son. Thank you for Jesus, for the cross. We ask that we as a church will, will, will pursue you, that we'll pursue a, a love for you, and that through that we will be obedient to you, and through that obedience we will find freedom because you made life to operate this way. And Lord, even when we find ourselves lost and troubled, we know that you're behind it all and that we know that you're working it all for our good because you've loved us and given us Christ. And what else could we ask for? Lord, we, we want to, in this extended time of worship, really seek what you would have for us. We ask that we would plead for your spirit to indwell within us, to raise our affections, to draw our hearts closer to you. We need more of you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, I will ask right now for a blessing on this place. We, we want more of you. We love you. Amen.